So as we continue through Malachi, you can turn in your Bibles there. and um, We're going to talk about sick cow offerings today. And uh, I wish I would have thought of that myself, but uh, I listened to Jay Vernon McGee this last week, and he's the one who had had uh, mentioned that. And as we're going through um, Malachi, we're finding out some things. And even as we're going through, as we went through Haggai, we found out quite a bit about the heart of people. As they had rebuilt the temple, they were concerned about the heart of individuals. And, you know, people were going through the motions. And even though uh, Haggai and Malachi are directed specifically towards Israel, there's many things that we can glean out of this, many things that, that we can learn about this. And as I mentioned last week, there's uh, about six dialogues that go on with God through Malachi. Uh, the first one was about the love of God, and we discovered last week that God loves us not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And he loved us while we were yet sinners, while we were still in our trespasses, and his love is, is, uh, is grand. It's something that we cannot even fully understand, even as believers. We experience a little bit of it. We get a glimmer of it. Um, we try to understand it, but it's, it's something that just uh, is almost incomprehensible. And secondly, a discussion about the honor of God, and that's where we're going to go today. And, and I thought maybe I'd get through this in, in one message. I'm not quite sure about it because there's a lot uh, to talk about today and in, in what we're looking at. But there's, a, there's good news and there's uh, bad news about the first scripture we're going to look at. And that is in First um, Peter 2, 5-9. through 9. I don't know if, if you knew that um, God calls us priests. That we are a priestlyhood of him. So when we're looking in the Old Testament, we're looking at temple priests, they're a little bit different. But they're still chosen of a lineage. But God has called us two things. He has called us a, uh, a royal priesthood. And he has also, um, let me get my notes here. He has called us a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood. And he tells us that we're a chosen generation, at least from Peter. This is Peter again. He's speaking a lot to the Jews. And, and the Jews had this tendency to really elevate um, spiritual leaders. And, and we have that today a little bit in the world where people will look at a, a, a priest or a pastor or a reverend or whatever it is that they want to call them and try to elevate them, saying that they are, that they are something above and beyond. And really, um, God tells us this, you know, in First Peter it says, You also... As living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the good news is, is when God looks at us, he can say that we are a holy priesthood or a chosen generation or a royal priesthood. Um, but it's also the bad news because when we look at this, there's a lot more accountability that, that comes to us as believers when we are looking at those um, scriptures and, and applying them to our life. There is no mediator for us other than Jesus Christ. And so in the old times, they could bring these sacrifices to the priests and 
And we would look even uh, in the beginning of the New Testament at the Pharisees, and we would see that they had this specific role to uh, handle for the people. Now, as individuals, we look at this a little different, and we were going to talk about sacrifices today, and we're going to be reading through um, Malachi 1, 6 through 14. We're going to get through the rest of the first chapter. But when we look at these things, and one of the things that even as we had discussion on our Tuesday morning Bible study, I'm in a habit of saying sometimes tithes and offerings. Uh, the tithe no longer applies to us today in the New Testament. Offerings are here. Tithes, um, and again when we look at tithes of the Old Testament, uh, some believe that there was up to three, three different tithes. A lot of people believe two. But there, were, there could have been two or three tithes that were given um, to the temple, to the priests. So that was like about a third of their income, or a third of their produce, or a third of whatever they were generating that was given to them. And we no longer have the tithes, but we have offerings. And there was also offerings in the Old Testament, but offerings were something that were given over and above the tithe. And so when we even look at that concept back in the Old Testament, we could see the dedication of those people in the Old Testament. So an offering is something which is freely given. And so even when they talk about giving in the New Testament, they, they talk about giving freely or giving of a, of a right heart. You know, and, and I've been in the ministry long enough where I have known people that will, you know, write it out to the penny, a tenth, you know, to, their, to the penny, and that's what they give. Some people use it as a guideline. But we want to know that an offering is something that is freely given by Christians for the work of the Lord. Now, in 1 Corinthians, when they talk about the body of Christ and they talk about, you know, if all were in here, you know, where would the eye, where would the seeing be? You know, if, if we were all just givers in the church, how would the work get done? So, see, God has different things for us to do. Some have been blessed um, financially where they can help out in, in certain areas, maybe a little bit more than others. Others have been given time. Others have been given talents. Others have been given opportunities. So we look at these things and we say, what is the offering? Well, the offering, and as we talk about it today, is a whole bunch of different things that we're going to talk about. So it's for the work of the Lord. A lot of times it's towards the local church for the work that we do. So as First Baptist Church of Augusta, we look at what are we doing in Augusta? What are we doing in Fairchild or Osseo? You know, or, or wherever we can reach out to, Fall Creek. What are we doing as a body of believers that, that's making an impact where we live? Because our local ministry is important. And then there's also uh, foreign ministries. And then there's the missionaries that we may support either in or out of the states. So it's for these ministries and these missions that we look at offerings. And freely we give of these things. So um, offerings are far more than just simply writing a check on Sunday morning. So I want you to um, really think about that. You know, I know there's a lot of ministries out there. There's a lot of churches out there. Uh, you can turn on the TV a lot of times on Sunday morning or uh, some of the TVN shows, and, and they're always pleading for, you know, send in your checks, send in your money, send in this. We understand that, that money sort of makes the world go round, Okay. But really, an offering is much more than just writing a check. If you think you're pleasing God by just writing a check Sunday morning and then going and living your life however you want to, you are sadly mistaken because God has so much more for us in this. Um, we're to offer much more to God. As a matter of fact, uh, Romans 12.1 uh, tells us this, that we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. So when we look at the Old Testament, we had the sacrifice, right? 
Sacrifice means what? What do you think sacrifice means? To give up something, right? So if, if we were to, in the Old Testament, um, have a goat or a cow or a turtle dove or something as a sacrifice, that animal gave up its life, right? If I was the farmer that, that had this animal, I gave up that animal towards God. If I was a, a field farmer, I gave up that portion of my crops uh, to the Lord. So a sacrifice is giving up something. And we can see in the New Testament, I can't recall where it's at right away, but uh, we talk about the giving in the temple, and there was some there that, that gave huge amounts, and then there was the widow that just gave a few copper cents. And, and Jesus really exhorted her because he said, you know, one gave out of their excess, but one out of their need. So the, the widow really is what it's saying, who gave the couple copper pennies, really sacrificed. It was something she could have really used, but she was willing to give it up for God. And as a prosperous nation, and then basically as a prosperous people, would we look at ourselves, are we just giving God out of our extra? You know, if I have a little extra time, I'll do this. If I have a little extra resource, I'll do this. If I have a little extra money, I'll do this. Or are we giving him a sacrifice? Something that really costs us something. And, and as we read through, this is what we're going to find out today. Because God exhorts us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. It says this, Romans 12, 1, holy and pleasing to God. He says, I want you first and foremost to live your life in a way that is pleasing to me. Be holy as I am holy, he calls us. We know that we can't be holy as the Lord in, in this life, but it doesn't mean we don't strive for that. That's what God has called us to do. So before all of our gifts, before all of our time that we may donate or anything else that we may give to God, he wants us to be the sacrifice. He says, I want you to live your life holy and acceptable to God as part of our worship. And why do we do that? Well, in Romans 6.13, it tells us, because we have been brought from death to life. Christ paid the price for us. He has given us eternal life. And so, he says, those who have been brought from death to life, and as such, we are to offer the parts of our body to him as instruments of righteousness. Instruments of right living. So he has called us as believers to live a right life. And he's saying, this is the most important offering that you can give because we have a choice each and every day we have a choice to do right we have a choice to do wrong we have a choice to follow god or to follow the desires of our heart we have the opportunity to listen to others or to listen to what god's word says and he says is your life a living sacrifice is it costing you something in your life and we really need to think about that because in our life, there's a lot of things I like to do. There's a lot of things I could say, oh, it's a beautiful morning tonight. Man, to be out on the lake would be just wonderful. To be catching fish would be just great. For a walk in the woods, it would be nice. To go down to the beach and go swimming, it would be great. Let's go have a picnic this morning. And the world is like that. You look at the world today and there's a lot of people that are doing that. Each and every day, they're setting God aside for the pleasures of themselves. And I want you to think about that, not just for a Sunday, but for each day. Do you get up in the morning and do you ask God, what is it that you have for me, God? What is it, what is it that, that you have for me to do today? And then follow him. 
You know, sometimes it's difficult because we have plans set and we want to do the things that we want to do. But maybe God has something different for you to do. And the only way it becomes a sacrifice is when you're willing to give up what you can rightfully do for what God would have you to do. So he's not as nearly as interested in, in, in monetary offerings as he is in our submission and obedience to his word. You know, if you've listened to me long enough, you know I press a lot of times, submit to the word of God. You don't need to submit to your pastor. You don't need to submit to your church. We submit ourselves to God. We submit ourselves to Christ. We submit ourselves to the word of God and what the word of God says. And rightfully, all those things should be lined up. But he is concerned about our submission and obedience. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The songs we sing, do we sit here in church and just sing these songs, or do they really have meaning? Are they being applied to our life? You know, God doesn't need our resources. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'm just such a blessing to the work of God because I can give my time, I can preach a message, I can, you know, give some money, I can do this or that. He doesn't need our resources to accomplish the things that he plans or proposes to do. You know, Psalms 50.10 says he owns, what? The cattle on a thousand hills. He has spoken this all into existence. This is all his. So this thought that, you know, he really needs, you know, the things that I have is wrong. He owns the things that I have. He owns everything that I am. If I'm a born-again believer, I am no longer mine, but I am his. And when we really have that concept that all that I have is his, every breath that I take, every minute that I live, every place that I go, every resource that I have, every dollar that I make, when we look at that and really say, you know what, it's all really his already, because he is the one who has given it to me, we begin to look differently at how we offer things to God be it our time or be it something else. What he desires and what he values is a heart that overflows with gratefulness, with gratitude, with thanksgiving. How many of you woke up this morning and really just said, thank you, Lord, for this day? What a beautiful day. Yeah, some of you do. That's great. We need to get in that habit to, to wake up and just say, thank you, Lord, for the beautiful day. You know, if it wasn't for the storms in life, we wouldn't see the blessings in life, right? If it wasn't for the storm that took out the trees, they wouldn't have seen all the people that just came to help. Why'd they come to help? Doesn't make a difference. They came to help. What a blessing. Do we... He lit up the world, yes, again. So, is your heart overflowing with gratitude for what God does each day? It's easy to step back and look at the the things that aren't right in the world. And Lord knows there's enough of those things to look at. But do you really have a heart that's filled with gratitude and thanksgiving to the God who saved us and has given us all things in our life? And he knows our needs even before we ask. And when we really realize that, then again, you know, whatever we offer to God looks a lot different. So as we look at our scripture today, in Malachi 6-8. We'll look at that one there. And it says this. A son honors his father and a servant his master. And then I, if then I am the father, where is my honor? 
And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name? Yet, if you, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altars, but, but say, in what way have you defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? So we see this dialogue that is going on, and they're talking about offering these things to God. Malachi 1.8, the Lord really accuses Israel of, of bringing blemished offerings. Offerings that are, are substandard. And when we really look at the purpose of offerings here in a few minutes, um, you'll, you'll get the point. And then maybe as we look at ourselves, uh, the point may become a little bit clearer. But he says, you know, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father. So God is saying, if I am the father, where is my honor? He's telling the, the priests of Israel, he's telling Israel, you are not honoring me as your father. You are not honoring me as the one that is over you. If I am the master, where is my reverence? And I want you to think about this, because many times we call the Lord our God. We tell him that, you know, that you're my everything. But are we treating him like that? Are we reverencing him that way? He says, where is my reverence, says the Lord? He says, you priests who despise my name. Now again, this is to Israel, but as we apply this to the New Testament, remember, all of you are, are, are holy priests, you're royal priests, we're our own priesthood, right? God is speaking to us as, as believers in the New Testament. He says, you priests who despise my name. So he's telling the priests of the Old Testament, you despise my name. And they say, well, how do we despise your name? They're arguing with God. I, 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 this comes out time and time again in Malachi about these discussions with God, about God saying something and, and them sort of arguing back. In what way have we despised your name? Well, they know very well. The priests knew the Old Testament. If you look back in Deuteronomy and you look back in Leviticus, you can see um, the requirements of, of the sacrifices that needed to be made. But he says this in 7, You offered defiled food on my altar. Defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? He says, you're bringing me garbage. You're bringing me the seconds. You're bringing me the leftovers. You're bringing me the sick cow. You're bringing me the lame. And you're asking me, says the Lord, how am I defiling your altar? The table of the Lord says is contemptible. That means they were despising the table of the Lord. That's why in, in Corinthians, when we have the Lord's table and we come together, I always put out that challenge. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat and drink. Because he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner is guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. There's a heaviness to the Lord's table. There's a freeing thing and there's, a, there's a, a delight in it, but there's also a heaviness and a seriousness. And he's telling these priests, you are bringing me stuff that is not right. And he says, is that not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer then to your governor. Would he be pleased with it? He says, go try to pay your taxes with that sick cow that you're bringing into the, to the uh, temple. 
See if your governor will even accept that. You wouldn't do that with a worldly power. Why are you doing that with a godly power? But isn't that how we think? Because we don't see God and because he's not right here, we give him less. We give him subpar. If it's somebody that we can see and talk to and somebody in this world that that we really respect, oh no, I wouldn't dare do that. See, the sacrifices in in the Old Testament had a special significance and a a special meaning. Bringing animal sacrifices to the temple that that were not, um, or that were blind or disfigured or sick was a direct violation of the Mosaic law. They were a direct violation of the law that God had given. It was like the thou shalt nots. And they were doing it anyways. They were sacrifices in name only. See, a lot of times the, the one who would raise the cattle would set aside when one was born from, from the prize animal, would set that aside. He would look at that, that young calf and say, you know, that one is without blemish. That one is, is beautiful. That one is of value. And I'm going to dedicate that to the Lord. And they would raise it as unto the Lord. But what he's saying here, what was going on, is all of a sudden they had a, a cow that got sick or a cow that went blind, or a cow that slipped and broke a leg. And oh, well, instead of getting rid of that, I'm going to give that to the Lord. Is that how we treat our God? To give Him our second-hand stuff? Well, listen, sometimes second-hand stuff is, is okay. Dr. McGee talked about, you know, where people donate their, their used clothes and he'd go out to the Indian reservations and that fine. But we don't take claim of that as giving something new. We don't take claim of that as sacrificing something ours. I remember when we took some young kids down to Mexico one time. And uh, the first time we went down, we brought all sorts of, of uh, used clothes. And, and when we were with Arnie and Jeannie, they always bring, they'd load up the vans and the trailers. They'd hand out all these clothes and, and hand them out. But I remember a couple of these girls, when we came back across, they said, I'm not going to give them my used stuff anymore. I got a lot of good stuff that I want to give them. See, that's something that costs something. Or to go out and buy something over and above for somebody that is special. They were sacrifices in name only because a true sacrifice, a true sacrifice costs something. Now there's gifts. Okay, you can give gifts and whatever. But when we talk about a sacrifice, it costs something. And there was really no pain involved in in what we are reading here from these Levitical priests and from Israel at this time towards God. There There was really no pain involved in getting rid of something that was already shed for color. We're going to get rid of this anyway, so we, let's give it to the Lord, and, and we're going to claim it as a, a beautiful sacrifice. And God really points out here that giving such inferior gifts to another person would be unthinkable. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. Think about Christmas when you go out and give somebody a gift, or maybe for their birthday or, or something. You take time. You want to pick out something special for them. You know, you, you really put thought into it. I don't, I don't like the points today where people just say, well, you know, just go buy me a gift card for this or that. Mm-hmm. I, I Personally, I don't like that. Because if I'm going to buy somebody something, 
or give them something, I really like to put some thought into it. I wonder if they'd like this. I wonder if they'd laugh at this. I wonder if they could really use this. I wonder if this is something that they really need. But more importantly than, than probably all this is what the sacrifices represented in the Mosaic Law. What did the sacrifice represent? Does anybody know? Nobody knows? The sacrifice was a symbol of the future sacrifice of Christ. The lamb without spot or blemish that was going to pay for the sins of the world. So when they were bringing these, these cattle, these doves, these, these offerings, um, these sacrifices to the altar, it wasn't just like, well, you know, here's a chunk of meat, you know, a third goes uh, to the temple, a third goes to the priest, and a third here. No, that, that wasn't what it was about. It was all a symbol of the future sacrifice of Christ. It was pointing towards Jesus. And when we think about giving to God, it's the same thing. Maybe not pointing towards, but what he has done for us. It tells us in 1 Peter 1.19, he was the lamb without blemish or defect. The cheap and marred sacrifices of Malachi times were travesties towards Christ's perfection. They were not a, a symbol of, of Christ at all. They were a symbol of man's corrupt heart in the way that they were doing things. The application for Christians today is a matter of treating God as holy. Do we treat God as holy with everything that we have, with all that we possess, with all who we are? And this concerns all areas of our life. All areas of our life. We just want to segment God into one little corner and, and just leave him there. But really, when we live holy, when we live as living sacrifices to God, it concerns all areas of life. It's not my work life and my friend life and my church life and in this life. Our life is our life. And it ranges from how we speak of God to how we obey him, to how we follow him, how we treat others. How we even handle everything that God has given us. To be good stewards of the things that he has given us. The larger context of Malachi 1, 6-14 tells us a variety of ways which God, people had dishonored and cheated the Lord by their actions. And that's my challenge today is, is as you hear these scriptures and as you look at God's word and as you pray, have you ever found yourselves maybe cheating the Lord by your actions, by the things that you have done? He tells us in 9, Now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while he is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. And I just want to stop there. You can give, and you can give, and you can give graciously, and you can give all sorts of things. But if your heart is not right with God, that is no credit to you. God may use it, the offering. The church may use it for the ministry. But you get no credit for it because your heart is not right with God. He says, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. I'm not going to accept it as, as righteousness from you. He wants our heart right. 
When they began to build the temple, he didn't want them just to go through the duty of it. He wanted them to walk right with him. They wanted them to do it for the right reason. As we've come into Malachi, it's the same thing. He wants our heart right with him. Are you obeying him? Are you following him? Are you loving him the way that he wants you to? Or are you cheating him by your actions, by your thoughts, by the things that you do? He goes on to say, For from the rising of the sun, even to the going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name, uh, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it, in that you say, The table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit, its food, is contemptible. You also say, Oh, what a weariness. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, the sick, thus you bring in an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has his flock, a male, and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among all the nations. He has said, you don't even have respect. You don't even have fear for who I am. You've made vows. You've made pledges. You've made promises. And you're willfully breaking those things. Today's churches are at risk of the same sin. They are. When we look around at today's churches, evangelical, whatever they are, simply attending a service, simply singing songs, or, or listening to a sermon, or, or giving in an offering... We think we have satisfied God. We think that, that he is happy with that. But that's not what God desires. He wants us. He doesn't just want our stuff. Do you understand that? He wants you. And he wants you 24-7. He calls us to accept his son Jesus. That's the first most important thing that we can ever do. By faith, recognizing our sinful status in relationship to his perfection, in relationship to his holiness. Never get on your saddle and think that I'm good enough or think that I'm holy enough or that I'm righteous enough. Because when we look in that mirror of Christ, we find ourselves short. It's a humbling thing. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All sins come from these three things. And that pride of life is a huge one. Second, God expects our full commitment to him. You know, it's through the scripture, if you really look through the New Testament, in some places it's almost like God sort of says, Hey, you know, before you make this commitment to me, count the cost. How many times does it say, count the cost, count the cost, count the cost? He's not saying that this is just a, a ride that we hop on and we just sail through life. He says there's a cost involved. There's a sacrifice. I want your total commitment. I want your full commitment. And while our works do not earn us salvation, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. He does save us to do works that he's prepared for us. Ephesians 2.10 tells us this, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We don't work for our salvation, we work because of our salvation. And the sacrifice we offer today is our own selves. It's what God has laid on our heart. 
It is what God has called us to do. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I think the scriptures would say this is your reasonable service to him. For a believer to knowingly continue in sin is to present the Lord with a blemished sacrifice. It's like bringing a sick cow to the altar. God is holy and he expects his children to honor him with purity and holiness. That's why he says when we come to the Lord's table, if you know somebody has something against you, leave your offering there and go try to make right with them. May not always work, but God says, I want that holiness. I want that righteousness. I want that purity to come through. I want your heart in one with my heart. That's why Jesus talked about, you know, as, as, as I am in them, you are in me. And, and I want them to be grafted in. And basically, I want us to be this one big beating heart together. That's what God expects of us. To love him and to honor him with purity and holiness. So there's five main types of sacrifices in the Old Testament. I just want to touch on them quickly before we close. There was the burnt offering that was voluntary. And there's many subcategories of these offerings, and maybe in one of our studies we'll get through these. But there was the burnt offering, there was the grain offering, that was also a voluntary offering. There was the peace offering, that was a voluntary offering. The mandatory ones were the sin offering and the trespass offering. Those are two mandatory ones. And we look at what Christ has done on the cross, we see that. Christ was our lamb without spot or blemish. He was the one that became our sin offering. He paid the price of mankind's sin upon the cross that day. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Maybe we're sitting here today really been blinded to some of the ways we've been treating God or acting towards God. And he's here today to open our eyes. Each of these sacrifices involves certain elements. That's why Paul taught us at the Lord's table, examine yourself. Paul tells us in other places, examine yourself to be sure you're in the faith. I think James is the one who tells us, look in the, in the mirror. We should be continually looking at our life. Because out of all these elements, we need to examine ourselves to see if our heart is right with God. They all had a specific purpose. The sacrifice in the Old Testament pointed towards the perfect and final sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Every sacrifice that we read about in the Old Testament pointed towards that perfect and final sacrifice of Christ. It's no wonder God was upset. It's no wonder he says, you've disrespected me. You have lost your honor for me. A sacrifice is all a shadow, as Colossians would tell us here. They were a shadow of the things that were to come. But the realities were ever profound in Christ. When we give, we give because of what God has done. If it's of time, of resources, whatever it is that you've got, give. When you pray, it's because of what Christ has done for you. Are you treating him with honor? Are you bringing him a sacrifice? 
that actually costs you something? Well, it's too hard to, to, to pray for more than three sentences because I'll get dizzy, I'll start to daydream or whatever. It costs us something. To set a specific time apart to study your Bible, it costs you something, costs you some time. To spend time in prayer, it costs you some time. To give sometimes beyond what you think that you can, it costs you something. But God honors all those things. And we do those things because of what Christ has done for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That whosoever believes, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Are you treating him with the honor and respect that he's asking us for? Are you giving him your whole self? Because that's what he wants. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, again for your word. We thank you for these examples through Malachi and Haggai as we've been going through them. But Lord, we want to honor you not with just our stuff, but with our lives. Father, help us to do that. Open our eyes to areas that we have been blinded to, to areas where we have built walls, maybe to rooms that haven't been entered in a long time. And Lord, may you purge those and clean those out. And may we seek after you with that purity and holiness. And Lord, we know that we fall short. We know, as your scripture tells us, there's none righteous, not one. Our righteousness comes through you, not of our works or deeds. But Lord, as we yield ourselves to you and let you have your way with us, Lord, you will mold us and make us into what we need to be. So Father, continue your work in our life. Continue to make us what you desire us to be. Help us to trust and obey you in all things. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.